Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're in 1 John chapter 5. Now, John must have come across this in his travels, this part he's about to say. He says, there's one thing that when you see this happen, he says, don't bother praying for this thing. And I have a feeling he probably tried it. I'm just guessing. I don't know. But he seemed to know this one will not work. This is like a time saver. Don't pray for this particular thing right here. Look at this thing. He says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, okay, then it says he shall ask and God will for him give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. So you see your brother in sin and you ask God, help him out of that. That's no problem. That's no problem. But here's the exception, the next verse. But there is one sin leading to death, he says. One sin. Do you guys know the unforgivable sin? There's one sin, he says, this sin you don't even pray for. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He says, don't even bother. They blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Now, this might sound funny to you, but I'll try to help give you some understanding about this because he says, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. Don't do it. He says, all unrighteousness is sin. There is a sin not leading to death. But we know that no one who's born of God sins. But he who's born of God, God keeps him. And the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we might know him who is true. And in his Son, Jesus Christ, he says, this is the true God and eternal life. Here's the Son. Jesus said, I just came to do what my Father commanded. He said, give him eternal life. Okay, I'm going, Dad. Comes down here to give us eternal life. My Father commanded, I give you guys eternal life. That's my edict from my heavenly Father. He comes down and they said, what are you here for? Didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. He doesn't say, I came here to condemn people. I came to save them. But there was one sin leading, it says, to death. And John was aware of it. He doesn't gloss over it like it doesn't exist. He just points it out. And I'm really glad he did because before I was a Christian... I've shared my testimony before, but before I start following the Lord, I checked out a whole bunch of other religions. And during my high school days, I got in with a group of Satanists. And by the way, they teach that Jesus died. They say they killed him and that Satan won. You know, that whole spiritual light versus darkness battle was Satan's victory at the cross. And even in the satanic Bible, they talk about the crucifixion of Jesus. They just leave out that one little thing that happened three days later. Not in the satanic Bible. I tell you, I read. What part do they leave out? That he rose. <laughs> kind of a big deal. They gloss over that one. Now, I don't share my testimony in detail a lot because Years ago, I used to just tell people all the stuff that went on when I was with my Satanist buddies, and then people would tell me that they couldn't sleep for weeks, and I gave them nightmares, and I'm like, that was just my life. I was the one that didn't sleep and had nightmares. Only they weren't when I was asleep. They were while I was awake. I saw stuff that just is not worth repeating. The Bible says, let your mind dwell on what's good, not on what's evil. 
So I don't want to share those things with you, but I will tell you that on multiple occasions when some of my possessed friends, and by the way, possession, I'm talking about using the biblical term of someone opening up their body to be a host for a fallen angel or a demon, it's called in the Bible. And they actually allow that demonic spirit inside them. And when they do that, they have um, well, they have some angelic powers endued to them. And by the way, demons will show off some of those powers. Their whole spiel is, hey, if we can get you to think this is cool, maybe we could get a friend for you. We've got a little fallen angel friend for you that will live inside you and give you powers. Now remember, everything the devil does, he's not an originator. He's an imitator. What spirit lives inside us as Christians that guides us and leads us and comforts us? The Holy Spirit of God. Satan goes, I don't really want you to have that because um, I want to be in charge. So why don't you just take one of my fallen angels, one of my cronies, and let him live inside you? And he'll take over and he'll give you powers and, and you'll be able to do supernatural feats of strength. And he promises a lot, a lot of stuff, especially to young men that appeals to their fleshly urges. You just accept this demon, and but they never call it a demon. It's just a friend, a friendly spirit that will live inside you. And you're going to get all the chicks you want. You're going to get all the cars you want. Anything in this materialistic realm, they promise that you will get. They don't always deliver, but Satan is the father of all lies, so lying is not anything excluded from his wheelhouse. When I became a Christian, I said, if I'm going to do this God thing, I'm going to need all the help I can get because my Satanist buddies have demons inside them and they don't play fair. And I realized that. I thought, if I get to do this Jesus thing, I need, you know, being raised Catholic, we did Father, Son, Holy Ghost, right? Made the sign of the cross like this. So I knew that this whole thing, this is like package deal. Sign me up, but give me everything God has on his side because those guys got some powers that they're not playing fair and we need to have the power from God so that we can triumph over that. So I'll take the whole package, please. Holy Ghost and everything. And I remember when I received the Lord, as soon as I did, I got a phone call and one of my satanic buddies went from his nice natural voice to all of a sudden that demonic voice coming out of his mouth and the demon starts telling me, it's not too late. You can come back. And we have a friend for you. Come back, come back. And I won't do it in the voice that he does because it's really creepy. And it's why I don't watch horror flicks because some of them, I think they really got demon-possessed people to do the acting. You know, some of the stuff I've seen, I'm like, I saw that in real life. I don't need to see it in a movie. But they're saying, come back, come back. We have a friend. And Satan will try to entice people to follow him with all of these false promises. He's just saying, I'll deliver this. I'll get you that. I'll do. And it sounds good. And of all the conversations I had, and I hate to tell you this, but I actually would sit down with people that were possessed and sit there and talk to their demons. And their mouth would be sitting there open without their lips moving or their tongue and just a voice coming out of the belly like a pipe. And I would talk to them and say, you should go to the priest and visit the confessional. And you should tell him you're sorry. I'm telling the demon, not the guy who has the demon. I'm telling the, the demon itself that's inside the guy. 
you should go and tell God you're sorry, and you'll have to do a bunch of Hail Marys and a bunch of Our Fathers and you know penance prayers and probably light a few candles and stuff because you're pretty bad. I'm playing like I'm good Catholic kid. Here's the prescription. And you know what? I think this is the only time that a demon ever spoke a truthful word to me because this happened on multiple occasions with different guys with different demons. When I would tell them, you should repent. Tell God you're sorry. This is the only thing they all agreed on and answered the same. They said, we can't. We made our choice. We knew what we were doing. You don't understand. We want you to join us. We can't come join you. And this was hard for me to fathom. I'm like, but everything we do, we're allowed to go to God and ask forgiveness, right? And they're going, we can't. This fallen spirit, this angel has done something that God says, there's no coming back from this. It says a third of the host of heaven followed Lucifer out of heaven. The Bible tells us that. Did they know what they were doing? Yes. And Satan said something. We read it written for us in the book of Isaiah. He says, I will make my throne to be like yours. Whose job did he want? God's. God goes, "Mm -mm, you're out. And that was the day what Satan and the angels that rebelled with him, a third of the host of heaven, rebelled. And walked out. Now here I am talking to one of the guys that fell out of heaven. And I'm telling him, you just got to go back and tell God you're sorry. And he's going, you don't understand. And I didn't. I didn't know the Bible well. I, I knew what little bit I knew from catechism. And I, I didn't know this verse. Did anyone know this verse? There's one sin you don't get to come back from. In fact, Jesus talks about it in the Gospel of Matthew called the blaspheming of the Holy Ghost. Let me do out of Mark's gospel. It's recorded in a couple of them, but Mark 3 is a real easy one for me. Jesus is speaking, and he says to the guys, he says, Truly I say to you, all sin shall be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, he says he never has forgiveness, but he is guilty of eternal sin. Anyone read that verse before or heard that? There's one sin you're not allowed to do, blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. So someone says to me, well, what's blaspheming? Best way to give you an understanding is just take the scripture. Remember in Matthew 9, Jesus was speaking to the Jews and he was trying to tell them, look, before Abraham was, I am. And it says they took up stones to stone him, you know, like, What are you saying before Abraham? What, are you greater than our forefathers? You know, I am. Only God used that lingo in the Old Testament. When when Moses said, who do I say sent me? And God answered, say, I am that I am has sent you. I'm the guy in charge. I'm the one that sent you. Well, in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus is there and he tells them to his disciples, get in the boat and go over to the other side. And in this passage, they brought him a paralytic. In in verse two, he's lying on a bed and Jesus saw their faith. I mean, they carried this guy all the way out to him. And and so Jesus said to him, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. And they went, some of the scribes says, this fellow's blaspheming. Who is he to forgive sins? Because who does the Bible teach is the one who has authority to forgive sins? Only God. 
Only God can forgive sins. So he's blaspheming. He's making himself out to be God. Now, if they knew what the angel said when he was born, behold, Emmanuel, which is Greek for God with us, the angel going, good news today. A child has been born, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which answers all the questions your friends have said. If God is real, why doesn't he come down here and show himself? He did. That's Jesus. He came down. And when Jesus did things that only God was supposed to do, the Jews even recognized, wait a minute, you're making yourself out to be equal to God. Jesus just said over in Mark's gospel, if you blaspheme anything, even against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven you. You can blaspheme against him. But you can't blaspheme against one, one person, the Holy Spirit. You can't say, I am an equal to the Holy Ghost of God. I am as great as God's Spirit. Soon as your spirit tries to pull that maneuver, you just did the old satanic maneuver, Lucifer's maneuver, we'll call it. The one he did when he said, I'll be God. God doesn't get to be God. I'm a spirit. Angels, by definition, are ministering spirits. I'm a spirit, and my spirit's as great as his spirit. I want to be in charge. God goes, nope. Doesn't work. See, angels were made by God. And the thing made doesn't get to say to the maker, I'm big as you. I'm better than you. That, that's foolishness. The creator is always greater than the creation, right? If it isn't that way, you have a runaway cyborg in a sci-fi show that outgrew the creator. And they make themes like that, like it's somehow possible. It isn't possible in the spiritual realm with God. He is the only great spirit. His spirit is above all our spirits. It is called the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. John must have run into some guy who said, my spirit's as great as God's spirit. But I'm better. Worship me. Do we have any of those gurus running around today? Some of those false teachers that say their spirit is greater than God? Yeah. And they make up weird religions. Weirdest part is they get people to follow them. Have you seen that? They get groupies. And they follow them and you're just going, oh, somebody forgot to tell them. Don't do that. That's the one sin. That's like a big no-no. Don't go there. I got to tell you, so you stay safe in your spiritual life. Don't ever fall for any teaching that tries to persuade you that your spirit is as great as God's spirit. Or you're greater. Oh, that's the danger. As soon as you do that, you blaspheme. Well, you went into an arena where you don't go. And I'd rather be the truthful preacher that says, don't do it. That's off limits. Any other sins we do, those are forgivable. That one, leave it alone. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think God's mean because he says, don't touch that. It's like, here's a button that blows up a nuclear bomb. Don't touch, written all around it. Do not touch, you know, do not turn key. It's like, do not walk on the grass. Why do they plant grass seeds and put little, you know, that little yellow tape with the little sticks and they put the little sign, do not walk here. And what do people do? I mean, there's a perfectly good sidewalk here. But they put that banner there and it's like saying, come on, walk on me. There's little grass seedlings trying to grow. Just stomp them. We would never admit it, right? It's only part of our nature. When someone says, don't do it, we're like, Oh, yeah? 
Not supposed to step over that? Oh, yeah, watch that. See, I did it. We just do it. It's like part of our rebellious nature. But if someone says, do not do this or it will cost you your eternal salvation, then we go, maybe we'll pass on that one. Step on the grass over there, not that. See, if I teach it to you right, you're going to know that's the one you don't do. And John, wise pastor that he is at this point, is saying, and don't even pray for the guys, which I was praying for demons to repent. Demons, not the people that had the demons, the actual demon inside the person. It won't work. Why? Because they blasphemed the Holy Spirit of God. And some people come to me and say, Pastor, I think maybe I blasphemed the Holy Ghost. I'm really worried. I, I don't want to lose my salvation. I like what Pastor Chuck Smith taught me years ago. He said, when they come to your office and they ask that, you know what the answer is, right? Did they blaspheme the Holy Ghost? Absolutely not. You say, how do you know? Chuck said, you wouldn't even be in my office if you blasphemed the Holy Ghost, wanting forgiveness, because you wouldn't care. To a person who still has a heart where they go, no, no, I want my salvation. You didn't blaspheme, don't worry. You might have sinned in other ways. Okay, we do that. But am I allowed to pray for someone in sin? Yes, absolutely. I just don't pray for the one who did this particular sin. Because I'm just wasting my time and God's sparing me the heartache of praying something that's not going to yield an answer. You will never get that one answer. You can pray all you want for a demon to be converted back to a angel of light that follows God. And guess what? Not going to happen. They made their choice. I love this. He's ending the thing with, well, we know the Son of God has come to give us understanding so that we might know him who is true. This is all part of us just growing in our understanding about the spiritual things. And we know in him who is true and in his Son, Jesus Christ, he says, this is the true God and the eternal life. Now, little children, he ends this book with a real simple line. Little children, guard yourself from idols. You could do a whole sermon on that one. I mean, we got idols in every kind of form and packaging, and we make cars into idols. We make Hollywood movie stars into idols. We make, well, we pretty much can gussy up anything and make it an can't we? It can even be our hobbies. Can you take it to an extreme where it becomes your idol? You know, where it's more important to you than God. Anything, by the way, that is more important to you than our Heavenly Father just became an idol in your life. And so John ends his letter with, guard yourself from idols. Guard yourself. If you know you're kind of predisposed to going after something maybe in an unhealthy manner too much, so much that you don't even consider the Lord anymore because it consumes you, you just found an area that's become an idol. And John would say, guard yourself from that. He doesn't want you to get tripped up. I mean, there's nothing worse for a heartache for a pastor than people you love and you want them to do well and then you see them get caught in something and then it sucks them down. Jesus tells pastors, you, you love me, pastors? Well, then take care of the sheep. Love the sheep. Tend the sheep. Look after them. There's nothing worse than seeing a sheep that's getting itself into a bad way because of a bad decision. It brings heartache. I know John had been pastoring long enough to see some heartache. So he just ends with this simple 
eat it. Just guard yourself. Be on your guard. And it wouldn't hurt us at all to watch out for anything that becomes more important to us than God himself. If there's anything in your life that becomes so important that that's the first thing you wake up to think about, that's the last thing you go to bed thinking about, and somehow God got edged out of that spot. Because the Bible says the first thing you should do when you wake in the morning is think about God. When you go to sleep at night, who do you say your night prayers to? To God. You know, just keep it in balance. But if it starts to where you're going to bed thinking about something else and you're waking up thinking about that thing and you're spending all day pursuing that thing, that thing just became an idol. It's more important to you than God. Take that thing and say, God, help me. I don't want that to come before you. You're first, not that. And you spiritually will become a much healthier person in your Christian faith. Your life will change. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
behind. 